The Bible reading this morning comes from Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know, Lord, it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you are, who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, a real privilege for me to be able to be here uh, and to look at God's word um, together. I'm going to ask that you join me as I pray to ask God's spirit to help us to understand the Bible. Now, Father, we thank you that you have spoken and you continue to speak through your word. Thank you for such wonderful reassurance that we don't need to guess what you are like, that you reveal yourself to us. So we pray as we come to the Bible that you would give us hearts that are soft and open. Help us to grow, we pray, just a little bit to know you better, not as an end in itself, but that we would trust and obey and follow you in the Lord Jesus. Thank you that we can abide in you. Amen. Well, how big is your God? That's the title of a book. Now, I must confess, I've never read the book, but I think it's a wonderful question. It's indeed a challenging question. So let me ask, how big is your God? I guess we may respond with, uh, with, with answers like, well, God knows every person in, in the world, 
or he knows the number of hairs on our head. It's been interesting as I've watched live stream uh, services, a number of times I've been able to look and see the back of people's heads and I see the back of my own head and I realise that God's job in knowing that number of hairs on my head is getting easier. Well, how big is your God? It's not so much about how much does God know, but rather how much you know God. Psalm 139 invites us to deepen our knowledge of God in a way that brings comfort and encouragement, for God is all-knowing, all-present, and indeed sovereign. And yet when I think of those things, I can feel uncomfortable if I think that somebody is watching me. If I catch someone who is looking at me, I may think, have I spilt food on my shirt? Or have I put wrong shoes on? I am feel awkward if a police car is behind me. I get annoyed if people say they know what I'm thinking. When people seem to know what I don't, there is a sense of insecurity and even sometimes resentment. And yet, on the other hand, there is something wonderful about being able to share my life with those who I want to share it with. I'm willing for them to know parts about me, even when I divulge shameful things in my life or things where I've failed. This psalm speaks of David being known by God and at times that's disconcerting for David but it also provides wonderful comfort for him. Well, the comfort of knowing God knows everything. Those first six verses, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God knows everything about you. What you do, what you think, what you will say. God knows the things that will cause you anxiety. And he knows the justifications you use to say that other drivers are at fault. That God knows everything about us may bring a sense of fear or embarrassment or resentment. It's interesting, the word discern in verse 3 can also mean sift. God knows that our lives will be strained and sifted like wheat as we go through painful and unwanted situations. And that raises a question. If God knows that's going to happen, why doesn't he intervene? Or verse 5 says that God hems me in behind and before. And that word can also be translated, the word hems can also be translated as siege or besiege. So there's a sense where we are confined within the parameters that God allows. So it raises a question, 
How much freedom do we really have? Well, David may have found God's knowledge uncomfortable. He also knew God's character to be good and faithful and loving. For he uses the word Lord in capital letters referring to the the loyal covenant-keeping God. Despite how circumstances seem to us, God knows what we don't. This psalm reminds us it's not fate or bad luck or that God is impotent or uncaring. Rather, that God knows what we are in is in fact a gift of his providential grace to grow and mature us. Wherever we are, we are in the best place for God to keep working in our lives. Uh, I remember many years ago reading a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Faith. Uh, he interviewed a number of people and he interviewed a guy called Peter Kreeft on, uh, on the issue of suffering. And Peter Kreeft gave an analogy which I have found helpful over the years. He says, imagine you are walking in the forest and come across a bear with its leg in a trap. You want and indeed you go to try and help the animal but the bear believes that you want to harm it. And so every time you try and get close, it lunges towards you. With no alternative, you grab a tranquilizer gun. But seeing the gun, the bear is even more convinced you actually want to hurt it. When the bear is sleepy, in order to get the bear's leg out of the trap, it needs to be pushed first further into to release the tension. And if the bear is semi-conscious, it would be even more convinced that you want to hurt it. But the bear would be wrong. The animal can only see the situation from its limited perspective in the present. And that implies to the bear that you don't care, that you know what the animal does not know. You see a bigger perspective. God's knowledge is beyond ours, and he knows what we do not. He sees it from his perspective. And that offers wonderful comfort. The next part of the psalm speaks about the comfort of God being everywhere. In verses 7 to 12, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you and the night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. David says, now, wherever we are, God is present. When I'm in situations that cause me a sense of terror, like the fear of being caught in a lift, 
is something for me. If the lift begins to slow down, my initial response is to panic. And when I panic, I must say it's never happened to me, it's just the fear. But when I can feel myself panicking, I begin to lose any sense of reason. I feel trapped. And yet, even when I feel trapped, and I feel that God is not there, does not change the reality that he is. Uh, Dave talks about God is in the east when the sun rises and in the west when the darkness falls. He's in the deepest oceans and he's in the furthest reaches of space. Last year, NASA sent a, uh, a rover robot which landed on Mars to take pictures and gather samples and see if there's any signs of uh, water or life. <coughs> Pardon me. It took nine months to go 54 million kilometres. And yet God was already there. When I read that, it made me think of Yuri Gagarin, the first cosmonaut to travel into space in 1961, who was reported to say, I don't see any God up here. In one of Timothy Keller's books, he quotes C.S. Lewis, who responded to that claim, I don't see any God up here. C.S. Lewis said that was like Hamlet going into the attic of his castle and looking for Shakespeare. I thought that was a wonderful response. It seems David may have wanted to get away. Indeed, the word flee in verse 7 can also be translated hurry or run away. It seems to say David wanted to get away from God's presence. Was that because of disobedience? Because of shame? We're not told. And yet when we carry burdens of guilt and disgrace, even then God is present, inviting us back, as he did with Adam and Eve. Uh, Brian Chappell is a pastor from the United States. He's written some books on preaching. And he tells a story about his brother David, who had reduced mental capacity growing up. While his, his mind stayed underdeveloped, David became increasingly strong in his body and his will. And as their parents aged, the stress of dealing with their son David, as well as their own issues, led to their separation. And it brought even more difficulties. As an adult, David developed a relationship that spelled trouble and resulted in his arrest. This was more than David's mind could process. He knew only the overwhelming fear as someone with a child's mental ability was being locked up within a cell. He huddled in a corner and trembled. There are other people in this holding cell. And David's fear rekindled something in another man who was in the cell. And despite his own situation, he went over to David and he shared the message of God's mercy. 
He said, Jesus can help you. Trust him. Well, the truths of Sunday school lessons in special needs class came flooding back to David. He prayed for God to forgive him and he renewed his trust in Jesus as his saviour. Fearful and feeling alone and yet God was present. And Brian Chappell says that his brother Dave will be in jail for a long time and he will be with Jesus for eternity. The psalm offers comfort that wherever and whatever situation, we are not alone. God is present. The third is the comfort of knowing that God is sovereign. In verses 13 to 18, For ye created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God knew David before he was born. And he fashioned you before anyone knew that you existed. He knew what you would look like. He knew your personality, your disabilities and abilities. Indeed, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God also planned out the days of your life, even before they came to be. God determines and watches over every detail of your life. Uh, Liz, my wife, and I uh, grew up going to Concord Baptist Church, and there was a girl there that we knew called Janet. Uh, she met and married a man called Graham, and they went to the Ivory Coast as WEC missionaries for a few years. While they were there, Graham began to notice some changes in his body. And after some time, they returned. And after a lot of testing, Graham was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. And over the space of a few years, he deteriorated and died. At Graham's funeral, there was a picture on the back of the service sheet which showed Graham with his enormous smile he was a tall man, but he loved life. His enormous smile, and the picture was him lying in a, a rubber tyre in earlier times of his life as he floated on the water. And underneath it said the words, jumping and leaping and praising God. Brian went from a healthy and helpful young man to being unwell 
and dying in a short space of time. Grief, absolutely. Sad, yes. Unexpected, yes. Mistake, no. I don't understand. Uh, the same with David Shannon and John Moore. I don't understand. But God, in his sovereignty, was working for his glory, and he was working for Graham and Janet's good. And that gave them assurance in what they found hard and demanding as they travelled through that time. The reality is that, uh, and we probably, as we grow older, realise it more and more, that we control very little in life. The reality is that you're not in control of your own life. Other people are not in control of your life. But this psalm assures us that God is. God knows the big picture and he knows the smallest details. And that offers both comfort and assurance. Well, how do we respond to the God who knows and sees and is sovereign? The end of the psalm is shocking. We don't expect what David says. In verses 19 to 24, If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It takes a turn, this psalm, that is totally unexpected. In one sense, it's a stark reminder that we live in a world that's opposed to God. I'm not sure I fully understand these verses, but... As I've thought and wrestled with them, I think David is saying that he knew the bigness of God and that showed itself in David's priorities and desires. He wanted what God wanted. He wanted God to be worshipped and honoured by all people. And when that didn't happen when people opposed God and opposed David as God's representative, when God was robbed of his rightful honour, that enraged David. God's enemies were David's enemies. And yet I think these verses also say that David struggled. He struggled because he knows that God knows everything and sees everything, and is in control of everything. And yet God doesn't seem to be doing anything about these people who are opposing him and who are wicked and who are bloodthirsty. 
And in his struggle, David cries out, Why? If only he would slay them. It's almost as though it doesn't make sense to David. And yet David could not control other people. All he could do was examine himself. All he could do was walk a path that kept trusting in God so that he himself did not become like those who were wicked. And so David prayed, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's as if David prayed, God, you know everything. But please help me to keep my life open before you so that I willingly and lovingly follow you. David was honest before God. I asked the question at the start, how big is your God? How big is your God? Just three points uh, as I finish. While there are many things that we don't understand, understand, God is always present and working for his glory and our good. He knows everything. He sees everything. He's in control. And that offers comfort as we live as God's people in his world, which has fallen. Secondly, our desires and priorities, like David's, will reflect what is important to us and where we look for comfort. So what do your desires and your priorities say about what you believe or how you believe how big, how big God is? What do your desires and priorities say about you and your view of God? And thirdly, we can't control very much at all, but we can ask God to keep searching us. And as he does, the gift of the Lord Jesus, whose sacrifice purifies us from all sin, means there is no condemnation. We have one who knows what is in our life, to whom we can go, even when we carry shame and disgrace. And that offers eternal comfort. How big is your God? He's the one who knows everything, who sees everything, and who is always in control. I'm going to pray. Please join with me. Our Father, there is much that we don't know, much that we don't understand, much that we don't like. There is much that doesn't seem to fit within what we think your kingdom and your will and your name is like. But we thank you for the reminder from this psalm 
the assurance, the comfort that you do know and that you are working and that your character is one that is good and loving and faithful. Thank you. If we have this, that we have this psalm that broadens, grows our appreciation of your bigness. And Father, we pray that the sense of repentance before you would also grow. That our trust and following you would also grow. That our reliance on the Lord Jesus would also grow. Thank you so much for your word and the encouragement and comfort it brings us. Amen.